I didn't want to be in the same house with you. Right. I really felt like there was times that I could envision myself maybe living apart from you, even though I really couldn't bridge over to divorce even at that point. I really didn't like you very much sometimes. And so, yeah, there was some back and forth there in my mind and in my heart about really the proximity that I wanted to live life, you know, with you. Has your marriage been shattered by sexual betrayal? Are you wondering if there's any possible way to save your marriage, or even if you want to? Is there just the tiniest glimmer of hope that you and your spouse can work it out, but you have no clue how or where to start? Hello, and welcome to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. We're your hosts, Johnny and Emily Spiegelmeyer, two formerly seriously broken people who have been called by God to share our story of redemption and the hope that lies within every story that's fully surrendered to God. And we have been where you are, my friends. As a result of adultery fueled by pornography, the marriage vows we had exchanged as newlyweds were eventually shattered. However, we are here together to let you know that this devastation we experienced was actually a gift. On our show, we will be sharing the resources we found invaluable on our road to reconciliation and recovery. We'll tackle the topics of marriage, faith in God, infidelity, porn addiction, and recovery. We will also be taking questions from you, our awesome audience. So if you're ready to move from pain-filled todays into hope-filled tomorrows, grab your favorite beverage and spend a little time with us. We want you to know that your story matters and that there is hope for your marriage through Christ Jesus. Marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed. On Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Hello and welcome back to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. We're so glad that you could join us again and we're grateful for all of you who are listening. Yes. Because without you, it would just be Emily and I talking into a microphone and making no difference whatsoever. (laughs) Well, we would still have a lot of fun. Well, we would (laughs) because we have enjoyed doing this. We have been receiving a tremendous amount of feedback from folks who have been listening. We've been getting some emails through support at beyondbrokenvows.com. And reading through those is just wonderful. Thank you so much to everybody who is sharing their stories with us, making that choice too. It's so vulnerable and we appreciate it. Yes, and we really enjoy praying for you as well. Yes. So last week we talked about why we would or wouldn't tell others about our infidelity reality. So today we're going to be letting you know how we did that with those that we did decide to tell. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to start by asking these questions. Have you ever told someone something that you knew that they were not going to want to hear? Do you have something you need to tell someone and are terrified about how they will react? Are you afraid to say it because it would cause them significant pain and or jeopardize your relationship with them? Well, these are very natural emotions that, of course, come with telling difficult news. This was our predicament when we made the decision to tell some people about the reality of infidelity in our marriage. Today, we'll share with you how we went through this process and what happened as a result. But before we get going, Emily, would you open us up in prayer? Yes, I will. Thank you, Johnny. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now so grateful that you continue to walk with us on this difficult and painful journey that we've been on for several years, but also one that's full of joy, full of victories, full of love and happiness and all the good things that you've given because we have stayed here together and worked on it. Father, we know that it's very tempting to 
just call it quits when we encounter a really difficult thing in a marriage such as betrayal. But we are just very humbled to see how you've put the pieces back together for us and, in fact, just given us a whole brand new marriage. And we know that you can do that for others. And that's why we're here, to give others hope for their marriage, that they can get to a place where they can totally surrender to you so that you can do the miracles in their life that you have done for us. And so, again, thank you for being with us today. And we just ask that you would bless what we say and take it around the world and do with it what you want to do with it, Lord, because everything is for you and your glory. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, Johnny, we did make the decision to tell some people. Yes, we did. um, After much discussion and much prayer. And we kind of went through this process that um, brought us to the point where we decided who we needed to tell. We're going to share today how we told all these people. And we say all these people because it ended up being quite a few people. And I just wanted to remind our listeners that, you know, this is a personal choice. Like we said in our show last week, every couple has to make this decision on their own with the Lord. Nobody can dictate to you what you should or shouldn't do. That's right. So I just wanted to remind everyone that this is our story. This is how we did it. And we're not perfect people. We have learned through trial and error much of the time and just trying to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and making some mistakes, but also doing some things that we feel God wanted us to do. Yes. And telling some people was one of those things. As we outline this for you today, I wanted to let you know that we did not have an outline or a system or anything in place to help us know how to do this. Right. This came as a result of us having conversations and praying and asking the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit led us through this. And so what we have as a result is something that we can pass on. Right. And that's really what most people can hope for, is that when you go through something, you have something to pass on to somebody else who is coming behind you. Yes, something that might be helpful for others, right? That is our hope. Yes. So the first step of the process started way back when we made the decision to stay married. Right. And that was based on our completion of the five-day intensive workshop that we went through with our counselors that were going to help us you know, sort things out and give us some solid footing. We made a decision before that intensive to hold off any decision to tell people until after that, and that we had made a solid decision that we were going to stay married. Right. And back in the beginning, what we call D-Day, the very first day that you had admitted to me um, some adulterous behavior, that um, I talked with the pastor and he gave me the out. He said, Emily, you have grounds to divorce Johnny over this. And he asked me if I wanted to do that. And I said, no, I don't. It was sort of a instinctual reaction because, you know, I really wanted to honor my vows. And even though I was terribly hurt, I didn't want to just say, yeah, I'm out like right away. I didn't even really understand what was happening at that point. And then two weeks later, when the other shoe dropped and the whole story came out, and I was beyond devastated, he asked me that again. And I did say no, uh, I didn't want to divorce you, but there was so much pain involved that, again, that was what I wanted to happen, us to stay married. I didn't see how that was possible at that point. But going through the next couple of months, 
there were times when, yes, as we were talking through what had happened and what you had done and how it was affecting us, I didn't want to be in the same house with you. Right. I really felt like there was times that I could envision myself maybe living apart from you, even though I really couldn't bridge over to divorce even at that point. I really didn't like you very much sometimes. And so, yeah, there was some back and forth there in my mind and in my heart about really the proximity that I wanted to live life, you know, with you. Anyway, that was a decision that we put off to tell people until we made it official. And we made that decision official after our intensive. And we decided that, yes, we were going to stay married and recommit ourselves to each other. Yes, that's right. So then we made the decision of who was going to be on the list. Yeah, the list of who's going to be told, right? Well, the first people on that list were our children. Yes, that's right. Our grown children. Our youngest was 18 at the time. That's right. And so that was something that we really wrestled with. It wasn't something that we were like, oh, of course, we have to tell the kids. You know, they're adults now. No, that was something that we thought was going to be so painful for them, be so disillusioned by who they thought their parents were all these years. And it was a really hard choice to make to tell our kids. But we did. We did put them on the list. After that, we did who, Johnny? We made the choice to include close family members. Mm, Yes. Extended family, right? That's right. We both have big families, so we didn't have everybody on the list, but we did put some of those close family members on there. Right. And again, it was because of the three questions that we had asked each other that we mentioned last week. The first question we asked was, do I need counsel or direction from them? Second question, do I need comfort or encouragement from them? The third question was, do I owe that person an explanation or an apology? And if the answer was yes, then we made the decision to tell. But if the answer was no to the three questions, then we made the decision to not tell them. And it was largely based on the fact that with the larger families that both of us have, there's just several of those family members that we don't really share life with on an everyday basis. Mm -hmm. So the ones that we do share life with, though, are the ones that got on the list. That's correct. The next group of folks that we included was going to be the pastoral staff at church that I worked with and the motorcycle ministry in which I worked with as well. So the pastoral staff at the church where I was serving at that time included six of the pastors who were on staff, and all six of them signed my license for my credentials. And so I definitely owed them an explanation and definitely owed them an apology. Mm -hmm. So I went to each of them individually and explained to them what had happened. And then there was the motorcycle ministry that I was a part of, and I went to them, and you went with me as well, Mm -hmm. and we sat down and explained to them what had happened. And then there were folks inside of the motorcycle community where I was in the role of pastoral representation to the motorcycle clubs and riding clubs in the area that we're in right now. And so there were a few folks in there that, because they didn't go to church, they considered me to be their pastor. And so it was very necessary for me to go back and explain to them what happened because I was suspended and I was not going to be allowed to uh, be out publicly to be around them. So I had to go to them individually. Right. So now we have our list and we're ready to tell other people, right? Right. Or maybe not ready, but we're going to do it. Right. (laughs) Because it takes a lot of courage and humility 
on the parts of both the betrayer and the betrayed to do something like this. Yes. I mean, for the betrayer, the courage and the humility it takes is to sort of bring everything that you've been trying to hide all these years out into the open. And a lot of what goes with addiction is a lot of pride. And so you have to expose yourself and you have to be humble at the same time. What kind of courage and humility does it take on the part of the betrayed? Well, like we talked about last week, it's embarrassing and humiliating to have people know the dirty laundry of your life. So it took some courage for me to actually face people and hear what you were going to say and see their faces and see the reactions. I didn't know what was going to happen. So it took some courage to do that and just to be humble enough to not say, hey, we've got this all together. Our life is pretty perfect. <laughs> and then just not let anybody know the bad stuff, right? right? I had to be humble enough to take off that mask and say, you know, there is some stuff going on here. I wanted to go with you when you were going to tell people. Right. I didn't want you to do it on your own. There was a couple of reasons for that. Yes. First, I just wanted to show support for our decision to stay married. I wanted to stand in solidarity with you. Yes. And let them know that I was going to be by your side, not only in the telling, but in the walking out. Right. And the other thing was, it was discovered that you were a liar. Right. And had been lying for decades. Right. And so I wanted to be there to be sure you didn't sugarcoat or justify or, you know, say anything that was really kind of not owning up to it. Right. There was an accountability that was necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... I wanted to go with you, mostly just for standing with you. We are married. We're staying married. I love this man. He messed up big time, but we are one. We are one flesh. And so I wanted to make sure people could see that Yes. when you were being humble enough to come before them with your confession. And I just want to say that it would be real tempting on the part of the male prideful betrayer to feel like he is under some kind of scrutiny to make sure that he says the right thing in the right way and he's underneath the thumb of his wife. And it was very tempting to feel that way. But honestly, what I felt the most was a genuine sense of love and acceptance as you sat right next to me. I remember on many of those occasions, we literally sat right next to each other and we held each other's hands really tight. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, we did a hard thing. <laughs> yeah, it was a hard thing. So we did decide together what was going to be said. Mm -hmm. We did. <laughs> we talked that out too. Right. And that's a pretty important step because we wanted to make sure that what we said was not something that was rambling, something that was justifying, something that was minimizing. Right. It was all about getting it out in the right way. So as we made our decision, what it was we we're going to say, for the purposes of this show, we outlined it into six steps. So the first step was the confession. We told each person that we went to what I did, and I was specific about what I did. I didn't go into details about all of it. Like an example was, I've been a porn addict since I was eight years old, and that I had been involved in three extramarital relationships over the last 11 years. And we would call that the 30,000-foot flyover. That's the initial pass so that we could help who we're talking to understand the nature of what's going on. It right. really set the tone. 
And this is where the eyeballs now start to change. Yeah. <laughs> they get real wide, don't they? They do. But um, yes, you didn't give a detailed account to most of these people. No, and it really wasn't for them to hear. That can be dangerous information and damaging to hear. Yes. And so after the confession, you talked about the consequences, right? Yes. So that brings us to step two, the consequences. So the consequences are what happened as a result of my actions. So after discovery and disclosure, the first thing that happened with the immediate discovery with my ministry leaders in the motorcycle ministry is they suspended me immediately. And because I had had such a prominent role in the motorcycle community, the other thing that they had to do was tell me that I was not only suspended from the group that I was with, but I wasn't allowed to be in public at all with the motorcycle community mm -hmm. for at least the first year. And my return back to the organization was going to be determined by how my recovery went. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what was going to happen was going to be up to me. Oh, yeah. And the second uh, consequence, most prominent consequence, was that, of course, I lost my minister's credentials with the church that I pastored at. They removed them immediately when I confessed what I had done, and rightfully so. Yes. And so these were the consequences of what happened. Yeah, and that year gave us an opportunity to really focus on recovery, right? It did. Because if you had still been serving, that would have left us with less time, and I would have been very uneasy about where you were and what you were doing. Right. It would be very easy in my pride and sense of entitlement to be angry with them for doing what they did. But thanks to God, I didn't feel that way. I looked at it and saw it as an opportunity to be able to pull back, take a breath, and focus on our relationship. Yes, I'm so glad. So the next step is step three, the apology. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the healing apology on a couple of our episodes, and here it is again. As you walk through this process, there's going to be a lot of folks that you're going to need to apologize to. So there was the confession, then there were the consequences, but now it's time to apologize. I would tell them that I am so sorry for the impact that this has on the relationship that you and I have had. And then after the apology comes step four, the asking of forgiveness, which is always a necessary step. After an apology, you ask for forgiveness because forgiveness is paramount. And then after asking for forgiveness, we come to step five where it's time to empathize with those that you've told. That's right. Because it's shocking and devastating to hear. And we wanted them to know that that news was heavy and we understood that it was a lot to take in right now. So that takes us to our last step, step six. We left an open door. We encouraged them to come back and ask any questions of us in the future. That open door was a result of the relationship that we shared with them, and we owed that to them. And because they were likely in a state of shock, they were really unable to or didn't even know what questions to ask of us. Mm -hmm. And to be quite honest, that door is still open today, four and a half years later. Emily and I, we stand behind it. It may take some a little longer to get back to processing through this. Right. There will be some people that you're going to tell that are going to be very uncomfortable with the whole thing, and they're not going to know how to process it. It is not your responsibility to help them process through it, only to leave the open door so that when they're ready, they can come back. 
we did these steps with everyone except for our children. We added something. We did. It's because this is something our children needed to hear from us. And what was that? The first thing that we told them was, we have something to tell you about our marriage, but we want you to know that we're not getting divorced. And we now have more hope for our marriage than we ever have before. That's right. So we wanted to make sure that they knew that right out of the gate so that they wouldn't be in panic mode, thinking what's going to happen, what's going to happen with mom and dad. Right. So yeah, we did that with the kids. Another thing that we offered with our children was that if they felt like that they wanted to talk with somebody else about all of this instead of us, that we would be willing to pick up the tab to pay for any counseling that they might need in order to process this. We wanted to let them know that we were 100% behind supporting their emotional response to this. Now, these are our children, and even though they grow up and they leave our house, we can't help but be responsible for their emotions. We can't actually make them feel things, but we want to, and we want to help them because we know that sometimes we're the ones that hurt them. Right. Those are the six steps that we used to tell people about what had happened in our marriage. But Johnny, we did some other things within those steps, right, that we haven't mentioned yet. Right. So when we were talking to each one that we went to together, or even if I was talking to the pastoral staff, I made sure to let everyone know that you were here to support me in my recovery. Because by the time that we are telling people now, which is four months after discovery, I am now actually in addiction recovery. Right. And that you are here with me to support not just our marriage, but also my personal recovery from addiction. Right. And also, when we were telling people, we decided to keep it short, concise, and not elaborate or clarify unless we were asked. That's right. It will keep the gravity where it needs to be, which is right in the center of the issue. So we had this list, and we were very specific and purposeful about carrying out the telling of our story. But we weren't in a hurry to complete it. We just wanted to start that process of letting others in on what we were going through. I actually kept a list in my phone, a running list of who we had told. Right. And so why did you do that? Well, because we were going places by then where we would encounter people. And you were telling people on your own by then. And I was telling a few people on my own by then. And so I was trying to keep up with who that was. I would walk into, say, church, for example, right. and I would see somebody looking at me, and my mind was just immediately going to, do they know? Are they pitying me? What are they thinking? And so I would lean over and whisper to you, do they know? <laughs> <laughs> and you would either tell me yes or no, and it didn't really matter if it was yes or no. It just made me feel better that I knew. So I wanted to keep up with that as best I could. Right. You want to know the most positive thing I remember about that list? What's that? That list became the basis for everybody that we invited to our vow renewal ceremony. Yes, that's right. So you actually went back through that list. Mm -hmm. When we made the decision to do our vow renewal ceremony, and when we were asking, okay, who do we invite? You went through that list, and we had 75 people come to our vow renewal ceremony. We did. And we're going to do a show about that. We in are. In the future, right? Yes, we are. We're looking forward to sharing about that because it was so powerful. We got to restate our vows to each other 
But what was wonderful with respect to what we're talking about is all those people that we told, they joined us and they helped us. And this this was over a two-year period. Mm-hmm. It was two years from the time that we started telling folks to the time we had the vow renewal ceremony. And so these folks were with us through all of this. So the idea that there might be 75 people out there that know your story might be terrifying. But what if it was 75 people who are praying with you? Yes, praying with us and walking through this with us. That's right. Because we were definitely not alone. No, and we can't do this alone. No, we need people to help us. We need the body of Christ to surround us when we're at our lowest, because when we don't have the strength, we can get the strength from others. Yes. So one thing that I picked up from my recovery group is that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. So when you make the decision to tell others, you are bringing people into this place where they can help you move through your own pain and hurt and that you may be able to help them understand their own pain and hurt as a reality. Emily, you had one of your friends that was so angry with me. Yes. You want to tell me why that was? Well, because her really, really close friend was betrayed. She had dealt with betrayal in her own life. Right. And so she knew the pain of that in a, in a different way, but she knows she knew the pain of betrayal. And so she was very hurt for me. You know, she loves both of us. That's but right. She was very angry with you for a while because you had hurt me. That's right. You had hurt her friend. Yes. And so that is a reality, isn't it? Yes. And it was my part to understand that that's why she was angry and accept my role in it, that I did that. Mm-hmm. And that her anger, although directed at me, was actually on behalf of her friend. Right. And you were okay with it, actually. I was. Yeah. Because they get to feel how they want to feel. That's exactly right. We just want to recap what we did after we made the decision to tell. So we made a list together, right? Yes, we did. And together we agreed on what we were going to say. Which was what? Well, first, it was a confession. Mm-hmm. Then second, the consequences yes. that had occurred as a result of what you had done. The third was an apology. Right. The fourth you ask for forgiveness. And five, we empathized with them because that was a lot to take. And then six, we left the door open for questions in the future. And following up in the book of James, in James five sixteen, it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So let me close us in prayer on that note. Father, thank you so much for bringing us through this time where we can talk through the process of who it is that we told. It was not an easy process, but your presence went with us all the way. When I made the decision to tell each one of these folks exactly what I had done, what were the results of it, and apologize to them and ask for forgiveness, it built a powerful bond, and only you could have inspired that. So we thank you, Father, that you did that. We pray, Father, for those who are listening, who are contemplating their own decisions and who they will tell and how they will tell it, that, Lord, you would inspire them to do something very similar in being specific, in being honest about who they tell, not ashamed, 
They may feel some shame, but Father, that they don't have to move forward with shame hanging over them, that you can break that in the telling as we bring what was once in the dark into the light, where we were doing that between husband and wife, betrayer and betrayed, now we're doing with our friends and with our family so that we can live totally free in all places of our lives. You break the power of darkness, and we can do this by telling others. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all your work and your sacrifice on our behalf. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, we will overcome. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to leave you with this thought. If after hearing what we said today, you're thinking about telling anyone, and you would like prayer for that, send us an email at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. We would love to pray for you in that endeavor. And also shoot us an email to let us know if you have told anyone and how it went. We would love to hear more about your experiences so that we can add this to our experience and help others with it. So join us next week as we start to tackle another dicey topic. We're going to talk about pornography. Hey, it's just porn. What's the big deal? Okay, well, we'll see how that goes. Right. So until next time, marriage is redeemed, hearts renewed on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before you go, if this podcast encouraged you and you're feeling some hope for today, please share this show with someone else you know who is going through a similar situation and needs to know that they're not alone. One of the best ways you can help us reach more people is to leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And as always, we would love to hear questions from you that we can answer in our midweek show. Just email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.